Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only two twins that are officially in draft season, baby. It has begun. Draft season, baby. I feel like, you know how Memorial Day is the unofficial, I mean, I'm sorry, Labor Day? No, is it? I get Memorial Day and Labor Day confused. Labor Day, dude. Fucking beginning of September is Labor Day. Jeez. The beginning of September is Labor Day. All right. So yes. I think I feel like Memorial Day is like the unofficial start of summer. You know how that is, you know, that's the thing. I feel like the um, Scott yeah. I feel like when the Scott Fish Bowls kicks off, that's the unofficial start of the drafting season. Where now drafting is is on. All the experts are in a draft that matters and it's on. Um there's fourteen hundred forty participants this year. Hot dang. Hot dang, and we're looking Three to of be which all right here. Yeah, three of us right here. We're looking to be number one of that fourteen hundred and forty. Um, first of all, speaking of number four, happy fourth of July to everyone. Happy Independence Day. Um, this is the first Independence Day that we didn't spend together in our entire lives. It it was I was lonely. It hurt. Luckily I have a good wife to keep me company, but uh, I wanted to be with my bros. Uh Unfortunately, you know, circumstances beyond our control can't control that. But we are here with you today. We are going to give you our special episode, 4th of July Fireworks, which has become an <laughs> annual episode at this point. Nine people, three each, that we think have an ability to pop. We're also going to be talking about the Scott Fishbowl and giving you an update on our um, Dynasty Pros versus Joes League that is going on with the FFPC. Without any further ado, you guys ready? Let's do it. You know it. But are you ready, though? Let me hear your fireworks, because me and Michael gave really bad fireworks. I win. What? Pop, pop, pop. That's what? the dog that's scared. Nah, that dogs that are scared are way worse than that. <laughs> anyway, the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So we are going to give you these fireworks uh hopefully the fireworks are better than our firework impressions but we're going to give these fireworks to you but before that we want to remind you that you can find everything brodo fantasy at brodofantasy.com you can also follow us on twitter at brodofantasy uh check out our one and only statisticy um that's called true throw values that will help you tremendously going into your drafts also remember if you want to join an ffpc league um you could join through brodo to go to our website and join one of those leagues um yeah, you know, I just realized when you said statisticy, what? It's like a good, uh, good name for a sticky statistic. It is a sticky. It is also a sticky statistic. Speaking of sticky, we'd like you to stick some money on us on our Patreon.com, Patreon.com/slash/BrotoFantasy. <laughs> um, we continue to get patrons even in the off season. Thank you so much, um, everyone who continues to be part of the Patreon and continues to be um, who continues to join the Patreon. Um, Jason is continuing to point at himself. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to annoy you, but I do want to talk. Because um, on the topic of Patreon and true values, um, this week we're releasing a new statistic for patron members. I'm not going to 
delve into it too much because we'll announce it on the Patreon pod and then you'll and then we'll probably announce it next week what it actually is. And you'll only see it if you're a Patreon, but I'm doing some stuff with True Values to give you something else to look at heading into draft. So based on the True Value formula, we're going to have some more uh, more in-depth ways to look at True Value. Um, look, there's a million different ways you could cut it up. Jason, um, our resident genius, has cut it up. So, um, yeah, check that out. And that's all I got to say about that. Um, speaking of big news, right before we came on to record this pod, it became official. Patrick Mahomes... Holy shit. Ten-year. Half a billion dollars. $502 million contract. The biggest contract in sports history, surpassing Mike Trout, who, who signed a $420 uh, or so million dollar deal with the Angels a few years ago. Um, Patrick Mahomes is locked down. Honestly, is there anyone in sports right now that's more of a sure thing than Patrick Mahomes? I don't think that he there is. Um, like yo, why, why can't the Jets just have drafted Patrick Mahomes, man? Like, why can't things like this ever happen to the teams we root for? I yeah, I know it's it's like crazy. To just locked down, possibly. I mean, don't say never because Jacob Degrom, the back-to-back Cy Young Award winner, we drafted in like the mid rounds as a shortstop. So something good has happened to us. That's true. So like, but I mean, like, it, yo, it doesn't Patrick never Mahomes. happen. Mahomes is on pace to possibly be the best quarterback of all time, and the Chiefs just signed him through 2031. Like, that's just so beast for the Chiefs. They must be so hyped right now. Yeah. Uh, if you, I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm very hyped. Uh, it's a very player-friendly contract, which is crazy because you don't really see this much of a player-friendly contract with this much money, obviously, but um, he has almost $470 million in guarantees, kind of. Um, over $100 million guaranteed, but he has these guarantees clauses in his contract, and if the guarantees don't click in, then he can opt out. So um, there's also no no-trade clause, so that is one thing that's team-friendly, but a pretty good contract all the way around for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, at the end of the day, it's probably going to end up looking team-friendly unless in uh, like eight or NFL nine years. caps stop growing. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the they're saying that the NFL crap, for, uh, the crap, the NFL crap, the NFL cap for the first time in a while might go down next year because of the limited revenue. So we'll see about that. But um, Patrick Mahomes is locked down. Um, I I don't think anyone has anything bad to say about it. I saw some no. people like one of the hottest takes there is out there, and or like sports players are overpaid. No one should be making a half a million dollars to throw a baseball. You should give this to teachers and hospital workers and essential workers. And let me tell you this. As a teacher, I don't deserve a half a billion dollars because my profession doesn't bring in a half a billion dollars. Like Patrick Mahomes is the face of a multi-billion dollar organization. He deserves a half a billion dollars over the next 10 years. And like I, I think anyone who thinks otherwise, it's kind of it's anti-American. It's kind of it's kind of backwards. Right, it's like the the real argument that these people should be making is that sports in general shouldn't be this like shouldn't be this valuable. Like if you want to say sports teams shouldn't be worth billions of dollars, that I think is a more reasonable uh, argument. I just don't see why people say oh players shouldn't be paid as much. Because they're honestly being paid less than what they should be if we're talking actual revenue that these fucking owners are making. Well, not only that, but like it's supply and demand, man. If if you don't yeah. want players to make that much money, then don't spend 
$100 on a jersey and don't spend money on your seats. But the, the bottom line is they're charging the amount of money they are because there's demand for it. And that's like literally the core of the economic system of capitalism is supply and demand. And it, it that's what rules the world everywhere. So like, I mean, people, you know, you just, if, if it's not in demand, you it wouldn't be as valuable. But either way, um, Patrick Mahomes doing a great job. Shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs for locking that down. That's it. You guys don't have anything to say, but that, that was like a lead in. That was a lead. Jason, do you have anything to say about this? You How was that a this? lead? That was the end of the statement. Yeah, I know. That, was, that wasn't my best. You know, I've been on fire <laughs> with the transitions lately, so like, you know, I, you know, I just swing and a miss. It's about so time you, you messed one up. How about this? Jason, what are your thoughts on the Patrick Mahomes extension? We, we already did this. Move on, kid. No, you didn't. You didn't share your thoughts. You're messing up. You're even, <laughs> either, even more. Jason shared you're his thoughts? To, you're trying to turn this into a... <laughs> A, a D to an F minus right now, bro. <laughs> I thought Jason shared his thoughts. I, I thought Jason shared his thoughts. All right. Let's share your thoughts on something else. Today, the biggest tournament in the fantasy football industry, literally every person, um, big or small, short and fat, uh, tall and skinny, everyone in the fantasy industry, uh, woman, male, black, <laughs> brown, yellow, purple, uh, doesn't matter, your creed. Magenta. Or your, all, of, all of us. Um, are in this, the Scott Fishbowl, a, uh, a great organization um, started by one of the nicest guys in fantasy, Scott Fish, who we've had on the program before. Um, he is he runs this league of 1,440 people. Um, there is one champion at the end of it, so it's uh, a pretty crazy tournament. Um, it's broken down to divisions. Uh, this year it's named after toys. I'm in the Cabbage Patch division. Jason, which division are you in? Plato. Jason's in the Play-Doh division, and Michael? Beyblades, boy. Beyblades. I think Jason has the best division of, all, of us all. Play-Doh. Play-Doh is the, is the bomb. Um, but yeah. I'm going to recap the rules real quick because they're a bit crazy. I was gonna, I'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. But it, it's, it's running through an organization called Fantasy Cares. Um, each person donates to Fantasy Cares um, as much money as they can as being part of this. And Fantasy Cares is a charity that helps, um, helps a lot of kids, helps a lot of uh, things in general. So... Um, shout out to Scott Fish for putting this together. It is a labor of love for him, um, and it is something that we are proud of being part of, and it's something that gets a lot, a lot, a lot of traction, um, and a lot of uh, a lot of followers, and a lot of conversations going in the fantasy community on Twitter. So it's 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 great. And if you are not part of the Scott Fish Bowl, he even has an in, like a auxiliary Scott Fishbowl where people can join. Um, that's satellite out, a satellite leagues. That's outside the main leagues. Um, you could also just follow along. Um, I know Jason Moore today from the fantasy footballers or guests in the show previously, he tweeted a link where you could follow along on his league's draft. Um, we could do the same. So yeah, just follow along so far. I'm pretty happy with my team. I know Jason is Michael. I don't know who you've drafted yet. You haven't shared yet, but uh, let's go over the, the rules and then we'll, we'll talk to you guys about, uh, the picks and all that. So, Jay, Michael, who are what are some of the rules um, that is in this? Because one of the best things is too is like it really it really shows your skills as a fantasy player because this league is like none other. Yeah. So one of the best part about the Scott Fish Bowl is that they always add some crinkles in the rules that make it just even like that Crinkle much cut more fries. fun. Like last year, they had crazy yardage bonuses and things of that sort. But this year, so just off the bat, you start one quarterback, two running backs three receivers, one tight end, and four flex, including one of those as a super flex position. 
So you're starting 11 people a week, and this is 12-team league, so you're going deep with your starters. So maybe it's not the best idea to draft, like, one of those backup running backs in round nine, like Tony Pollard or Alexander Madison, because you need starters through, like, the first 11 rounds. Passing, six-point passing touchdown. Minus four for interceptions. Minus one per sack. Minus one per incompletion. And plus .5 per completion. So this is where it gets crazy because Drew Brees has gone in multiple first rounds because he's so good at completion percentage. So shit like that is pretty nuts because if if your quarterback goes 15 for 30, that's negative 15 points and then only plus 7.5. So it's minus 7.5 off the bat off his regular score because he only uh, completed 15 passes and had 15 incompletions. So that's one crazy part of the, uh, the Scott Fish rules. Rushing, six point for a touchdown, one point for 10 rushing yards, half PPR, uh, receiving, same thing, nothing crazy there. And then it's also tight end premium. So from half PPR, running backs and wide receivers, it goes to full uh, PPR for for tight ends. And then it's also plus 0.5 per first down, which is another big crinkle in there because players like Derrick Henry, for example, who are first down machines, get that much more of a boost because eight first downs in one game is an additional four points, which is basically another 40 yards rushing. Can we just talk about real quick? Crinkle is definitely not the right word. I was just about to say, can we talk about the fact that Michael's using the word crinkle instead <laughs> yeah. of wrinkle? <laughs> wrinkle, wrinkle. It's a little uh, crinkle. I got crinkle got fries on his mind. Fact, yeah. fact me. Yo, let me just say one Chris thing, though. Crinkle. I, I love the Scott Fishbowl. I love drafting in it. I love what it stands for and all that. But holy moly, myfantasyleague.com is the AOL of fantasy. Yo, football. why you why you got to do that for? MFL is the Because worst. it is the AOL. It is for the people who used it like 30 years ago and are stuck back then and are like, I'll never give this up. It's the best. It was the first one. It's so good. The app is not that It's like that the bad. people who are still using IMs. MFL is the worst. The, it the, is the absolute worst. Download the app, time. bro. Download the app. It's not that bad. I promise you. It's not no. even their app. It's the third it's party not even. App. Yeah, someone created it. Like someone else created it. Dude, Yahoo, uh, FFPC, like all these leagues, ESPN. I don't even like the ESPN platform. I'd so much rather use that than MFL. It is just the worst. Me and Jason were. This is a third party platform? Yeah, me and Jason drafted in a. Uh, it's good. Um, a dynasty league last year on MFL, and we are ecstatic that the dynasty league folded after one year because a bunch of people had to drop out because just even managing a single team on MFL was like pulling my eyes out of my head. MFL, by the way, guys, not NFL, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. I think the app is cool. Anyway, um, I drew the fifth spot. Jason, what did you draw? Uh, the eighth spot, of course. We have gotten the eighth spot in like 80% of our drafts. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Michael, what did you draw? What did you draw? I got the 12. All right, so I'll start. Uh, I'm through three rounds so far. I just made my third round selection. I My first pick was Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson went before me, so I ended up getting Zeke. On the way back, I ended up getting Kyler Murray because there was a run of quarterbacks and there was a big – um, drop on Kyler Murray and you'll find out later today that I am pretty high on Kyler Murray going into this season and then um, on, again just now I was in between I, I texted Jason in fact for his advice and he I was in between Tyreek Hill and Kyler Murray like which one do I draft which one do I draft and for some somehow some miracle uh, Tyreek Hill fell to me in the third round so 
Um, so far for me, Kyler Murray, uh, Kyler Murray, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tyreek Hill are my squad yeah, right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Jason, you're through four rounds. Why don't you update them on the team? Yeah, I'm through four rounds. I had the eighth pick, surprisingly, because it's super flex. Michael Thomas fell to me with the eighth pick. Um, so I had to grab him there. He had like 90 first downs last year. And a well, first he had down. 14 more first downs than Julio Jones, who was in second in first downs first years. How there damn. you go. And that's an extra half point. So I had to grab Michael Thomas. And then the 205, a lot of quarterbacks were going, so I grabbed Kyler Murray um, like you did. His completion percentage was very good last year as a rookie, and now they added DeAndre Hopkins. Third round came around, and the guy I just mentioned, DeAndre Hopkins was still available. When do you ever find DeAndre Hopkins in the third round? I know it's a new team, but I got the stack too. Had to do that, and I got the stack there. Stacks on stacks. And then in the fourth round, I could have went quarterback again, but it would have been like a Kirk Cousins type. Um, I'm honestly looking at drafting Ryan Tannehill next round because his completion percentage is great and true values. Shout out those. Ryan Tannehill's a beast. Um, So I went running back because I needed one, and I went high upside in this giant tournament. Cam Akers as my first running back. I think that I'm going to discuss him later. I think that he has a lot of upside this season. And there were um, not too many running backs left that I think could have RB1 potential. So I got my guy. Ooh, Jason, uh, giving a hint towards some of his fireworks, maybe. All right, Michael, how's your team looking? So I'm in the uh, one of those drafts where it goes slower, you know, later on. We're probably going to be the draft that gets made fun of for being the slowest. <laughs> or only like we just started the third round. I, I've seen some people with five picks already. Yeah, Jason Moore has five picks. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I have the 12th pick, so not much I could do. Uh, but I got Michael Thomas, 12th overall. Absolutely absurd. Like, dude, I understand that it's super flex, but you start three wide receivers, so you need a lot of receivers. And it's half point per first down. Like we said, Michael Thomas had 91 first downs last year. That's an extra 45 points. That's absurd. And then uh, right after that, I took Derrick Henry, who in a half PPR league, receptions aren't as important as they are in PPR, but you have the half point for first downs, rushes for first downs. And the only players ahead of him last year in first downs were uh, Chris Carson and I'm blanking. On who it was and Zeke, I think. So he was third in the league in first downs, and I do not expect that to change for running backs. Oh, say that again for running backs. For running backs, yeah. Hold on, it's so, it's half PPR per per carry. No, no, half PPR. Yeah, and then yeah. The first point per first down. Okay, okay, okay. So I love I love me some Derrick Henry there. Uh, third, fourth turn. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll go QB if I like someone there. Maybe I'll grab another running back and receiver. Time will tell. See how the draft goes. I think uh, the best kept secret in these in these drafts is Ryan Tannehill, our true our true throw value king. People are sleeping yeah. on him. The Scott Fish Bowl is all about efficiency for quarterbacks. That's true value. Just I'm taking Tannehill in the fifth. That's just huge for true values. Like that's what true values does. It shows efficient quarterbacks, and that's what you're looking for in the Scott Fish Bowl. I can't wait to draft Ryan Tannehill in this league either. Um, last year, I drafted Mitch Trubisky in this league. Didn't work out very well. All right. Uh, so with that being said, um, we are all also uh, having a Patreon uh, episode. So make sure to join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantasy in order to 
Um, check out our talk about our Dynasty League, which we are talking about. I know I, I updated you before, but we're talking about that exclusively on our Patreon. I forgot to, to mention that, that we're talking about that on Patreon. So if you want to talk about um, the, uh, the Dynasty League that me and Jason actually are sharing, because Michael's not allowed to be part of that situation because uh, he works for the FFPC. So uh, it's actually me and Jason's forte. So if you want to update on what me and Jason are doing in that draft, um, go there. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to have a fight because these guys made me pass up on someone I really liked for a kicker. But we'll get to that in in the Patreon episode. Before that, let's do our fireworks. Baby, you're a firework. Baby, you're a firework. Go and let the fire burst. I don't know the rest of the words. I don't know the rest of the words. <laughs> Alright, anyway. You know the words? Fireworks drifting through the wind. <laughs> I, that's definitely not the words. Yo, yeah. I, by the way, yeah. saw Hamilton. I saw it again because I saw it live. Have you not seen Hamilton yet? Glorious. Amazing. Was Watch it not glorious? Live. Was it not glorious? I saw it with the without the official cast. So mind blowing, man. We watched it. We watched it with the rents last night because we were like, "Yo, mom, dad, you absolutely have to watch Hamilton." We've listened to the soundtrack like 450 times. Watch the show, please. It's even better live. After we finished it, my dad just turns to us and goes, "That was fucking great," and it was great. It was absolutely amazing. All right. So, with that being said, fireworks are going. Let's get it started. Um. With our first firework, let's start with Jason, uh, because I'm feeling like starting with Jason. He's the youngest of the patrops, and you know, youngest goes first. So, Jason, why don't you give us our first firework? Three minutes younger than Michael. Relax, little bro. <laughs> All right, so we're each doing three. Um, so I'm a little bit of. I'm just gonna go into the first guy because what? <laughs> I was gonna like give a backstory about my three picks, but we're gonna go one at a time, so there's no need for that. My first firework, ba-boom! Cam Akers is going to explode onto the scene. Rookie running back for the Rams. Ooh. SFBX fourth-round pick right there. Indeed. Looking for upside, and that's what you're going to get from this guy. So, from a young age, he was a five-star high school recruit. He goes to FSU, plays behind one of the worst O-lines in the country, and still puts up 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns his freshman year. He can catch passes. He can block. He has no injury history, and he has his high spark score. He's third, I believe. J.K. Dobbins are the best spark score of rookie running backs. The Rams used a second-round pick on him after spending a third-round pick on Daryl Henderson last season. So after putting that much draft capital into a running back, you're not taking another one in the second round unless you want him to be your guy. The Rams' line was bad last season, yes, but the same um, the same group is returning. So at least there'll be a little bit of camaraderie. And maybe they won't be extremely bad this year. Just slightly bad. And Sean McVay was utilizing more two tight end sense. That could help the running back. Uh, more play actions. Sean McVay likes to run, which will keep the defense on their toes. Or we have two tight ends in the box helping to block for Cam Akers. So it is possible that their offensive line is better this season. Todd Gurley is out of Los Angeles. He had a down year last season and still ended with 14 touchdowns. The ceiling is sky high for Rams running backs. 
PFF has Cam Akers projected for 950 total yards, 20 catches, and seven touchdowns. And I think that's fair. It's fair enough to say that that's his floor this season. Um, so with that floor and that and the upside that I'm talking about here, I think Cam Akers will explode. And does it worry you at all that they have Malcolm Brown still? They have Daryl Henderson still. And does it, does it worry you that this might be a split backfield? No, because Todd Gurley wasn't like the workhorse last year the entire season like he was the year before, and he still had 14 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. What if it's and not? What if it's Daryl Henderson that gets that role, though? I don't think it's going to be. You don't spend a second-round pick on a rookie running back when you have Daryl Henderson a third-round pick if you believe in him. It's it's important to say, like, for those of you who don't know, and, then, you know, if you're listening to us, you probably do know this, but just in case you don't know, um, second-round draft picks for running backs is almost equivalent to a first-round draft pick for everybody else because unless you're a superstar like Ezekiel Elliott, um, you're not getting or, – or Saquon Barkley – and you're not getting picked in the first round if you're a running back. First round running backs are very rare these days. So high draft capital first is a second round pick. And it was the Rams' first overall pick. They didn't have a first round pick. So they they have holes in that team. And they are in they are strapped in, in terms of what's going on with their uh, cap and all that shit. Um, because they kind of went for it. The year that they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they were like, boomer bust this year. We're gonna strap the cap. We're gonna strap the cap, and you know you're seeing the makings of it in this off season. Uh, so it's it's interesting to see that, and it's interesting to see that they would go running back because it doesn't show that they have a lot of trust in Daryl Henderson, which third round is also high draft capital for a running back. Michael, who's your first firework? My first firework gets the number one nod here because. It became like a cool thing on fantasy Twitter uh, over the last week or so to just shit on Tyler Higby. Like I've seen Tyler Higby is canceled, things like that, uh, over the past week. And Tyler Higby is my firework because those people are all stupid and wrong. <laughs> the thing is because... Michael, dude, never, one to, never one to mince his words, I will say. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I feel like the only person that has... Like, I've agreed with, and we've had discussions on Twitter about this, Michael Salfino, who we're a big fan of. Yeah, that's our uh, guy. Big fan of his work. There is absolutely no reason not to draft Tyler Higby at his current ADP. Zero reason not to draft him. First, the reason why I like Tyler Higby. He ended the season last year, four straight 100-yard games, and then an 84-yard game, at least seven receptions in all those games, double-digit targets in all but one of those games. He had the best stretch receiving-wise in tight end history. And the knock is that he had a really easy tight end schedule. You know who else had easy tight end schedules in their career? Gronk, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Shannon Sharp. Guess what? None of these guys had that good of a, street, a receiving stretch in their careers ever. 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 No one. Ever. Not a single like literally guy. The best stretch in tight end history receiving-wise. And drafting Tyler Higby right now in normal leagues, he's going like the seventh to ninth round as like the tight end seven or eight. You do not lose your draft because you mess up an eighth round pick. Especially at tight end, you could That's easily stream. I am so absolutely mind boggled about the Tyler Higby hate because even if you don't believe Tyler Higby is going to do what he did at the end of last season, then. Not picking him 
you're what are you gonna do? You're gonna draft. That means you haven't drafted a tight end. You're a tight end yet, right? So who are you gonna draft? Noah Fant later, an upside pick. You're gonna draft TJ Hawkinson, a Mike Gesicki, all these guys who have an equal chance of not being that good this year. Except we've seen Tyler Higby become Travis Kelsey. I went over a bunch about the Rams offense in an article. You can check it out, rotofancy.com, with uh, Robert Woods versus Cooper Cup. It ended up being a pro Higby article as well about 11 and 12 personnel and the way the Rams played at the end of the season. So what I'm saying is Tyler Higby legitimately has the potential to be a top three tight end, and you do not have to pay for it at all. And yet people think his ADP is bad. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Because guess what? People drafted O.J. Howard in the fourth, fifth round last year, and I'm sure a bunch of them still won their leagues because the tight end position, even last year with Darren Waller and players later on who ended up being good, down the stretch, weeks 12 through 16, if you didn't have Kelsey, Ertz, or Kittle, you were screwed because everyone else had bad weeks those weeks, the guys that you expected, except Tyler Higby, who was a waiver wire ad. Every year, that's how it is with the tight ends. You either need one of the top guys or you need to really hope the guy you draft hits. Why not take the chance on Tyler Higby? He has a great shot of exploding this year. So I'm all aboard the Higby train. I'm just going to keep drafting him. And one thing that you guys always forget to mention, always forget to mention, when it comes to Tyler Higby, follow the money. Last season, follow the money. Last season, before he did anything, before he was even a, a, a name, and, and people saw this extension, they were like, what the fuck? And before he was even a name, Tyler Higby signed the contract. Four years, $36 million with $15.5 million guaranteed money. That was when Gerald Everett was still a thing. And when you talk about what the Rams see in Higby, they completely changed their offense to get Higby on the field when they were struggling. And on top of that, look at all the vacated targets that the Rams are going to be having this season. They no longer have Brandon Cooks. They no longer have Todd Gurley out of the backfield. Now, will Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson take some of those? Yes, but there are more vacated targets to be had. And the one guy that is going to gobble them up, in my opinion, is Tyler Higby. I, I love Tyler Higby this year. And to give you an idea of that contract, because f maybe four years, $36 million doesn't sound crazy to you. He signed a f he signed a deal for four years, and the average number his average salary is about seven point two five million dollars. To give you a an a example, Travis Kelsey when he signed his extension was a five year forty six million dollar deal, and that's nine point three million dollars per year. So he only got two million dollars per year less than Travis Kelsey before he even got on the field. That shows you Sean McVay, one of the most offensively gifted minds in the entire NFL, maybe in NFL history, thought that Tyler Higby was worth that kind of money before he even showed it. So the fact that he got that money and he he had the most productive stretch of any tight end in the history of tight ends shows you exactly what you should be expecting from Tyler Higby this year. And that's all I got. I, I mean, Michael, I could not agree with you more, kid. You turn that into your own firework, kid. I mean, the, and that I didn't even prepare notes on that. This is how strongly I feel about Tyler Higby and how often I've been saying, you'll follow the goddamn money. Um, speaking of following the money, my first firework is a guy who I believe, who's dressed in money green. 
and who I believe is going to take a big step up. Now, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm a Jets fan, but that has no, no bearing on what I'm about to say. My firework for this year. Why'd you preface it? Because they should know. My, my firework this year is Sammy Darnold, uh, quarterback for the New York Jets. Now, here's why. Baby Sam. Now, here's why I believe Sam Darnold is going to have a breakout season last year. Now, last year, which, by the way, 23 years old. This, that was his 22-year-old season. To give you a perspective of how young 22 years old is, Joe Burrow is 23 years old this year, and he was the number one overall pick. So Sam Darnold is months younger than Joe Burrow, and he has two years of experience in the NFL. One pick third overall, which he was projected to be first overall if Ken Dorsey didn't pull. I mean, not Ken Dorsey. Um, Dorsey, the, the GM for the, the Browns, didn't pull a, a shocker to everyone and pick Baker Mayfield with the number one overall pick. But that's just to put it out there. Last season, Sam Darnold faced a million obstacles. Famously, he was doing things that 22-year-olds do, and he got himself some mononucleosis. Uh, which cost him four games and affected him in that first game against the Bills and also um, probably in that game against the Patriots where he was seeing ghosts. Um, He also sprained his thumb against the Jaguars. On top of that, he had a giant problem with his offensive line. The Jets were historically bad in the offensive line last year. He was pressured on 42% of his dropbacks. Again, I will say this. He was pressured on 42% percent of his dropbacks on top of that his supporting cast was also very last luster that's all the things that he had to deal with last year and he still had a much better season improving in every single category that he could possibly improve in going from his rookie year to his second year this season I think he's going to step up for this reason number one he has two years of starting experience over his belt this is his third season his second year with Adam Gase, who people have their problems with Adam Gase. But listen, I'm not saying Adam Gase is a great coach. That would be that would be a homer of me to say. But it, there is something to be said that when Adam Gase had Peyton Manning, he won the Super Bowl. When And look, you could say anything you want. Peyton Manning, one of the greatest of all time. Peyton Manning was also coming off a neck injury, and he had only won one Super Bowl previous to that. So winning a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning is doing something, right? Then... Jay Cutler had the best years of his career, the best year of his career, with Adam Gase as the offensive coordinator for the Bears. When Adam Gase went to Miami, he was not the best guy, but there is something to be said about the fact that his starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, missed 24 of the 48 games, half of the games, that Adam Gase coached. So Adam Gase, although he hasn't been great, has not really been given a fair shot with starting quarterbacks. There is something to be said about this, Adam Gase with a starting quarterback plus 500 in his career. So when you think about that, when he has his healthy starting quarterback as a head coach, when he has his healthy starting quarterback, he is plus 500 in his career. There's something to be said about that. This is his second year in the same offense. He's more familiar with it. Also, he impressed in his situations that he needed to impress with last year. He led the league the entire NFL with 10 touchdowns while facing pressure last year, he only had 19 touchdowns. So over half of his touchdowns came with pressure in his face. That is the sign of a young man who is ready to go to the next step. 
On top of that, the Jets will bring in an entirely new offensive line with four new starters this year, including a first-round pick at left tackle, a new center, a new guard, and a new right tackle in George Fant from the um, Seattle Seahawks. On top of that, in the second half, when Darnold finally got in a groove, when Darnold finally was over the mononucleosis situation, he threw 13 touchdown passes against four picks and had a QB rating of 93.5. That's exactly what you want to see out of a QB. Progression from the first half of the season to the second half of the season. He brought a team that had no business with the winning record to a winning record 7-6 and when he started. He showed progression in many ways. On top of that, the weapons around him are better this year. Brashad Perriman is a better number one overall, number one option than Robbie Anderson because Robbie Anderson, although he could stretch the field, sucked in contested catches. He could not go up with someone. His body type does not lend itself to that. He can only catch the ball when he was open. Um, to put it into perspective, Brashad Perriman put up 509 yards and five TDs as a starter last season. Robbie put up five TDs total all of last season and only 779 yards. On top of that, Le'Veon Bell, second time in a Gase system. Gase, as you know, didn't exactly want Le'Veon Bell, yada, yada, yada. This time he has Le'Veon Bell. He knows he's going to. Chris Herndon returns. He was a Darnold favorite in his rookie season. Steven uh, Sims was, was picked and drafted in the second round. And one of the favorites uh, of us going into the draft. Mims, I'm sorry. Really just called Denzel Mims. Denzel Steven Mims. Sims. Denzel Mims. Excuse me. I put Steven Mims here and I said Sims. I didn't, I didn't Who's even Steven put two Sims? Two together. I looked at Michael like, what is yeah. Sims just? Denzel Mims. My bad. And he was one of our favorites going to the draft. So I think that Sam Darnold and the whole entire Jets offense are on pace and on par for an uptick this year. And I think that Sam Darnold is going to be one of those guys where if you're in a dynasty draft, you're going to regret not drafting him. That was me clapping for you because we don't hear many pro Adam Gase arguments anymore. I mean, it's, it's not I think, pro. I think the guy has a lot of flaws and he could be better. But at the, at the end of the day, the dude, yo, when you when you have 24 like, of your 48 starts without your starting quarterback and, you know, Tannehill, he was always coming back from an injury. Always. So he never had like a whole season where he can get reps Yada, 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 get, get in a groove like he did last season. It's just not fair to put that in, in, the, in the same conversation. Fair enough. Sounds to me that Adam Gase just gets his quarterbacks injured. So maybe he gave Sam Darnold mono. Um, that would be the biggest scandal in NFL history if they were making Ooh, it on the back thought. of the... That would be crazy. That would be something. I mean, I'd still, I'd still support you know, Sam Darnold. Make out with whoever you want as long as he throws some touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Word up to that. <laughs> Jason, who's your second firework? My second firework. This is an interesting one because it's not a young guy. I mean, he's young, but it's not someone who hasn't exploded before. So I'm going for the the resurrection explosion of James Connor. Ooh, Ooh. the Terminator. I, I think guess. James Connor, since he's going in the third or fourth round, I felt like he was going in the fifth round a few uh, like a month ago. Exactly. So I feel like this is a legitimate firework um, answer, although I, I suppose I cheated a little bit. But look, people are just forgetting about James Conner. They're quick to write him off because of his injuries. But he has played at least 10 games every year of his career. And every time he's on the field for that week, he's an RB1. So right now in the third to fifth round, 
if you're giving me at least 10 weeks of RB1, I'm taking it with firework potential. So let's not forget that Big Ben is back. James Conner should have more running lanes as a result. And last year, he excelled even with Duck Hodges as his quarterback. From weeks one to eight last season, Conner saw almost 18 touches per game, was sixth among running backs in fantasy points per snap, and forced the second most mixed tackles on reception. This guy can ball. In 2018, in 12 games started with Big Ben, Connor put up 1,470 yards and 13 touchdowns. Last season, with the worst quarterbacks ever, Connor's 16 game pace was 1,144 yards and 11 touchdowns. And I repeat, he's played at least 10 games every year of his career. He's injury prone, yes, but he's not as injury prone as he's not as devastatingly injury prone as it seems. The only addition the Steelers made to their backfield this offseason was Anthony McFarland, who is an ideal change of pace back. He has game-breaking potential, a lot of speed. He averaged nine yards per carry in Maryland. They added him because they know Benny Snell sucks. They know Jalen Samuels sucks. They know everybody who said Snell and Samuels were going to take James Conner's job were morons, as we were saying. Some some smart people are saying it, but sometimes you make a mistake and you got to be called out on it. It was always a terrible mistake. A tight end running back hybrid named Jalen Samuels was never going to take James Conner's job. Anyway, I like McFarlane as a handcuff regardless. So if you can get that Conner McFarlane, because McFarlane's going super late, stack <coughs> leaving your draft, there's firework potential everywhere. So give me James Conner. Hard to disagree with you. I think James Conner, like we've said many times in the past, he has that potential and at this point, he's not going in the first round like he did last year. Um, his injury his injury is baked into his ADP. So. He'd be a first-round pick if he was guaranteed to stay healthy. Without Let me doubt. say something real quick because we just discussed the Scott Fishbowl. Someone drafted Matt Barkley second overall instead of Saquon I Barkley. How do you even mess that up? Yeah, I don't know, but Matt Barkley tweeted at the dude, shout-out to my guy with the fist-up emoji, LOL. <laughs> How great is that? That's pretty good. Oh, man. Why, yeah, why uh, do you follow Connor. Matt Barkley on Twitter though? That's the real question. Yeah, it was probably retweeted by someone or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, I agree. James Conner definitely has fireworks potential. It's all about him staying healthy. <clears throat> shall I go, Tim? Yes, you shall. I shall go. My firework here is a little uh, off the beaten path because it's not someone who owns a backfield. It's actually the second-in-command in a backfield. My blow-up firework player here is Kareem Hunt, guys. Interesting. Even Kareem Hunt, man. I Michael love really loves Kareem Hunt, Hunt this year. This. I'm not going to get this behind is this. This is mainly in PPR leagues. But look, Kareem Hunt joined Cleveland last year, had five double-digit PPR performances in his last six games, average over five rushes and five targets a game, so it's 10 touches a game. And, dude... This is Kareem Hunt we're talking about, right? Like, he, this was one of the best running backs in the league with KC, and we saw him be just come to Cleveland last year and be that guy again. And now Kevin Stefanski's going over to Cleveland, going to help with that offense. He loves uh, utilizing running backs. He loves to play action. Kareem Hunt is going to be involved. This isn't just going to be a Nick Chubb backfield. So let me ask you this. Why can't Kareem Hunt be the Austin Eckler of 2020? 
Like, why can't he be the Austin Eckler to Chubb's Melvin Gordon? Well, because Eckler was a lead back for a few weeks. But I'm saying, why even can't before he be- that, there was years where Eckler had really good fantasy production without with Melvin Gordon playing 16 games and being a number five overall pick in drafts. That's what I'm saying. So why can't Nick Chubb be a top 15 running back? With Nick Chubb sharing that backfield, think about it. If he if he even gets to seven to eight carries a game and seven to eight targets a game, we're talking about a guy who's going to get thirteen to sixteen touches a game, who has game breaking ability. Like we've seen Kareem Hunt win you fantasy weeks over and over with KC, and even was a very valuable piece last year, never playing with Cleveland, coming back, and then just being having an immediate impact right away. He's even lining up uh, in the slot at some points, they're saying now, during the preseason, excuse me, training camp. So I love me some Kareem Hump this year, man. I think he's getting very much discounted because he's sharing a backfield. But I don't see why he can't be the 2020 Austin Eckler. And you're getting him at a great price, especially in PPR leagues. Look, it's a, it's a good point. I'm on the Kareem Hunt bandwagon as well. I think that he has... Uh, standalone right, value. It's not like it's not like the ADP again is too high. It's just like Tyler Higby. Like Tyler Higby, there's no there's no reason not to draft him at his ADP. Kareem Hunt is going to be going in half PPR leagues, sixth, fifth, seventh round in PPR leagues, late fourth or fifth, sixth round too. Like why not take a chance on the guy there, especially when he's going to be pro- producing even if he's not going to be like this star. You're taking him over Connor or Akers? Did I say that? I'm just asking because <laughs> those were my final. <laughs> I'd but. consider him over Connor just because of the in- – I'd consider him over both in the PPR league. Uh, Akers, has, qu- Akers has question marks himself as a rookie, and Connor is always hurt. Look, Kareem Hunt has never been hurt. That's the important thing. Like He missed games last year because he was a, he was a, a dickhead. Yeah, but and there's zero question hurt. about his talent and his ability. Yeah, yeah, like he's one of the most talented running backs in the league. Period. Yeah, yeah. There is no. He did carry me to a championship. <laughs> um, speaking of the mo- one of the most talented in the league, my second firework is a quarterback that I put my money where my mouth is. I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. Kyler Murray is one of my, um, one of my guys now. Look, there's one obvious reason why I think Kyler Murray will step up this year. When you put DeAndre Hopkins on a team, you get better. It's not like a situation like OBJ going to Cleveland last year. Because OBJ has a big mouth, he talks a lot, uh, he demands the ball. DeAndre Hopkins has been through so much in his career. He's played with so many different quarterbacks, and he's had a success consistent success <coughs> excuse me with every single quarterback whether it's Case Keenum Brock Osweiler um Yates uh Tyler Yates not Tyler Yates what was his first name Tyler Yates is the Mets pitcher TJ Yates TJ Yates um and Brandon Whedon whoever you're talking about and now Deshaun Watson whoever you're talking about he has had sustained production with those guys now you take a guy like Kyler Murray and you give him a number one uh, wide receiver like that, and it's just going to open up the field for that spread offense. There's going to be more opportunities for guys like uh, Christian Kirk, for Larry Fitzgerald, for Andy Isabella, and so on and so on. Um, also, a full season with Kenyon Drake in the backfield gives him a legitimate option to 
to be a receiver out of the backfield. Now, listen, David Johnson was there last year. Um, he was okay, but Kenyon Drake came and outperformed him. And at this point, Kenyon Drake's yeah. a better player than David Johnson. So you have an upgrade at running back. Um, also, the offensive line played pretty decently last year. Um, it was his rookie year, and he was already third in the league in rushes. And rushes is one of the biggest reasons why I like him in fantasy this year. Only Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen uh, finished with more rushing attempts per game for a QB. Despite the fact that Josh Allen had almost two more attempts per game, Kyler Murray outrushed him. He had the second most rushing yards uh, after Kyler Murray, I mean, after Lamar Jackson of any uh, quarterback and don't don't forget this includes the first couple of games where they were kind of scared to let him run and he only ran three times per game so it's almost as if those first two games didn't count and he still had more rushing yards than someone who is getting a lot of love for his rushing ability and that's Josh Allen he finished as the QB seven overall in fantasy last year even though he had a true throw value of get this twenty fifth. In the entire league. So what does that tell you? If his room for improvement, baby. Much room for improvement. Even if he goes to 14th and is just a very average in terms of passing efficiency, he is looking on making a giant leap forward. The sky is the limit for Kyler Murray, and I think he takes a big step forward and kabooshes this year. Kabooshes? Kaboosh. He kabooshes. I mean, a lot of people Kaboom. are on that bandwagon this guy's going like top five overall quarterback wise in many drafts so we'll see i mean he definitely can take a step up this year but they need that offensive line to play a lot better the offensive line was decent last year they need it better with deandre hop they did they did try to improve the offensive line they drafted that guy jones in the second round um so they did put some draft capital in that offensive line Yasun, you're up. My germs it off my third firework. I'm going uh, old-timer again. I, I took an odd approach today, but I think there's another guy who can explode. And he's rated 50th right now on PFF's rankings. And when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I got to talk about this guy. Brandon Cooks. Hey, can hmm. explode. Interesting. F- 50th on amongst wide receivers. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, how is it even logical? I don't understand. Like, fiftieth overall might be more important. Might be more appropriate. Probably compared to fiftieth wide receiver. Yeah. 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 Comparatively, yes. Because sometimes people just overthink things. We get tired of players when they're consistently good. It gets boring, and then we want the shiny new toy. Forget the shiny new toy. Brandon Cooks is the shiny new toy. He's been on like 88 different teams already in his career. And he always excels on these different teams. He is used to changing teams and used to playing with new quarterbacks. And luckily for him, they're always amazing quarterbacks. So he knows, we know he knows how to play on any offense with any quarterback that knows how to get him the ball. Originally with Breeze and the Saints, Cooks had 1,100 yards and at least eight touchdowns both of his seasons after his rookie year. He went to New England. He put up nearly 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Then he went to the Rams, where in his first season, he put up 1,205. This guy was a consistent stud being drafted in third rounds every year, even though he was on a new team every year. Then last year, 
He gets a concussion in week eight, gets phased out of the offense, uh, plays through, um, is just hurt throughout the season. And now people are forgetting that he even exists. Before his injury last season, from weeks one through seven, Cooks was wide receiver 29, which is very doable. And over the entire course of the season, even in a down year, his average depth of target was 14th in the league. He also played 16 games four years in a row before playing in 14 last season. It's not even like he was out with injuries. He got phased out of the offense after he got injured, and maybe the concussion held him back throughout the year. But he was still there. And he was still on the field, ready to play. Now Deshaun Watson is his quarterback. The people around him are Will Fuller, who hasn't played more than 11 games since 2016. Yeah, who's ac- who's actually injury-prone, not just rumored to be. Randall Cobb, who had a good season in his life. One Kenny Stills, who's a guy. <laughs> he's, he's definitely a dude. Kiki QT, Jordan Atkins. <laughs> Darren Fells, like, come on with this. The Deshaun Watson needs to throw the ball to someone. Rumors have it Antonio Brown might be headed there. Just saying. That would change things, and that would be a great fit. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson completed 41% of his deep passes last season. Hopkins is gone, leaving 150 to 175 targets up for grab. And Deshaun Watson is top 10 in true throw value every year. Brandon Cooks is just shouting explosion while everyone is shouting stay away for no good reason. Yeah, I think that's I, I, I think you especially hit on the head, Jason, with this with this assumption that he's injury prone. Like, yeah, he's had a few concussions in his career, but like you said, he's played the entire season four years in a row before last season. And even last year, he only missed a couple games before he was phased out of the offense rather than not missing games because of injury. So yeah, I'm on the same page as you. Like Brandon Cooks is one of those guys that I'm definitely going to be targeting, and if he's my wide receiver three going into this year, I'm extremely happy about it. I also said that Cooks is a good buy based on true values in the True Value Report, so check that out too. Also, BrotoFantasy.com. Uh, Michael, who's your last firework? My last firework. I went a little deeper. Someone you could get basically for free at end of draft. And sorry, Michael, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a, I'm gonna pull a Michael on you, and I'm gonna cut you off real quick because I forgot to say something. Wow. Also, wow. Only, only 26 years old, Brandon Cooks. Yeah. He seems yeah, like he seems like he's an old guy. Only 26 years old. Anyway, go ahead, Michael. Thanks, Tim. No problem. Uh, yeah, somebody basically get for free at the end of drafts. Maybe this year's AJ Brown, aka the rookie who makes a big impact in the second half and is at least semi usable in the first half as well. Michael Pittman Jr. of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Pittman and Denzel Mims are likely the two best lining spots for rookies to make an immediate impact, in my opinion, uh, based on the talent around them. Pittman's competition for targets is the often injured 30-year-old speedster T.Y. Hilton and slot gadget-type player Paris Campbell, who missed the majority of his rookie season, and Jack Doyle, uh, I mean, a decent but not outstanding tight end who also tends to miss games every season. Pittman is 6'4", coming off of four years at USC where he got better every single year. He went from hardly playing his freshman year to 400 yards a second year to 750s third year to a monster fourth year, senior year of 101 receptions, 1,275 yards, 11 touchdowns, and over a quarter target share for that USC team. He's very fast for his size, over 95th percentile. He has a big route tree. He can go up and get it. He's someone I think could have an immediate impact on that team for Phillip Rivers. We know Phillip Rivers 
likes to take chances downfield. He likes to throw it up to his big guys. And that's what he'll be able to do with Michael Pittman standing there going up the sideline at 6'4". So I think Michael Pittman Jr. is someone who could – I mean, he has the draft stock. He got drafted in the mid-second round. I, I wanted the Jets to grab him. I'm glad they got Mims, but Michael Pittman Jr. was the guy I was really hoping would fall. So I really think this is a big a, a big time move here for Indy and someone who could really have an immediate impact. Yeah, I agree with you. And um a, a quarterback update. I mean a, a quarterback uh, upgrade. Excuse me. So a quarterback upgrade. Yeah. From USC to Phillip Rivers. No, I'm talking about the team in general. From, oh, okay. From Jacoby Brissett from to Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Remember last year when people were trying to make Jacoby Brissett a thing and saying he should get like a contract and we were all like, that's so dumb. Shout out to my former uh, co-host on Veterans Minimum, Nick uh, Nick Boss DeVito. Uh, he has hated, he hates, he hates Jacoby Brissett's guts. He thinks yeah, he's the so worst quarterback to ever play. It's his lack of skill. <laughs> um, I mean, and- I was yelling it all last year. I don't know how you guys aren't mentioning that, but all, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Uh, Shout out your other co-host. The final, <laughs> I mean, you mean special guest? Is that what you mean? Um, the final firework is a guy that I'm going to be hanging my hat on this season. Um, Miles Sanders. He can run for Miles Sanders. Um, Miles Sanders, running back of the Eagles. Here's why. Just looking at him, just seeing what he's capable of, he has the makings of a stud. On top of that, he finished with 71 points in Week 15 and 16 last year. Won some people some championships. He really shined without Jordan Howard, who was the other back in the backfield, but he was even good when Jordan Howard was on the field. RB 15 overall in his rookie season. Um, He's a dual threat. 179 rushes for 818 yards. That's just under 5 yards a carry for a rookie. 50... Uh, receptions on 63 targets are 509 yards for six total TDs. He was one of only four players in the entire league to have 800 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards. The other three players, CMC, Leonard Fournette, Delvin Cook. I don't know if you've heard of these guys, but they are pretty good. He isn't. He has some room to go. He wasn't a polished in-between-the-tackles runner last season, but he can improve on that as well, kind of like... As someone I just mentioned, CMC, in his rookie season, made most of his impact catching the ball, then got better rushing in between tackles and took that. He's looking to take those reins like CMC took those reins a couple years ago. And the most important thing is they are looking to give him those carries. The opportunity is there. He played just over 50% of the snaps last season. That should go up significantly with no Jordan Howard in the mix. Boston Scott and Corey Clement are the only people scheduled to be with him in the backfield. They also drafted Elijah Holyfield, who is, you know, a a good bruising type runner, but he's not the type of guy who's going to be an every down back. So I think that Miles Sanders has the ability to take over this backfield 1,000 million trillion percent, um, get 70% of the carries, play on 70% of the snaps, be a third down back, be a first and second round down back, and be a guy who's going to get um, going to get looks. Carson Wentz likes going to running backs out of the backfield. Alshon Jeffrey, you don't know what he is. Jalen Rager, you don't know what he is yet. Um, the tight end situation, we know that the tight ends are going to be getting the ball. And that leaves just Miles Sanders as possibly the third option passing-wise on this team, not even to mention that he's the starting running back. 
So I love Miles Sanders this year. I think he's a really great value at the end of the first round. And if I get a late first-round pick, I will not hesitate in drafting him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the Eagles, if they have Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Raygard, Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard, how are they supposed to get the ball to Miles Sanders? Kidding me? That's your argument? An old-ass Deshaun Jackson is going to catch a few deep passes a game? A and then, rookie? And then go on IR. Uh, old ass Alshon Jeffrey is going to catch a few bats a game then go on IR. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, are you kidding? He What? <laughs> <laughs> There's room for Miles Sanders to catch balls. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Miles Sanders too. I was not on the Miles Sanders bandwagon in the beginning of the year, like February, March area, but as I've looked into it more, it's grown on me more and more. So I agree. I feel like Miles Sanders could definitely be one of those guys that is in the first round next year again, as long as he, uh, as long as he gets the opportunity in in Philly. Speaking of growing on us more and more, uh, we hope we're growing on you more and more every episode. And if we're growing on you enough for you to like throw us some cash. Um, patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy is where you can support us on Patreon. You're going to be getting a lot of extras, including some extra episodes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, a chance to be in our Discord community, which we love. Um, uh, what else? What else? Uh, stats. There's so many things. Um, Leagues against us. Be, oh, how, oh, those are coming up again. Leagues against us. Um, we're either going to be we're even going to be announcing something special, a dynasty league for some of the people who are in certain tiers of the Discord. Speaking of the Discord, we have had a uh, we've had a lot of you know we've become almost a little family. And shout out to Shiz who was um, who was going through something. I don't want to I don't want to blow up his spot. I don't know if he wants this to say it on air, but he's going through something, and we hope him the best. Uh, we wish him the best. Shout out to Shiz um, in in the uh, in the Patreon. Don't want to don't want to blow him up or nothing, but uh, he's going through something. So everyone, uh, say a prayer for Shiz, our guy. He's the Shiz. <laughs> he is the Shiz. Michael, where can they find you? Papa's chicken is the shit, man. <laughs> Michael, where can they find you? Yo, I've not seen Little Nicky in ages. Find me at Brodo FF Mike. Jason. Brodo FF J. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did oh, yeah, there. Jason. <laughs> Brodo FF Jason. Yeah, you always say J, and it throws me off. It's Jason. Um, a Brodo FF Tim for me. You can find us all at Brodo Fantasy. BrodoFantasy.com for everything Brodo, where you can find true throw values, true target values. And where you can find our beautiful faces. Um, don't forget the summer heat wave coming your way this summer. An episode every single day for all y'all. So keep that coming in late July and early August. And keep it tuned here. Um, for another episode this week, you can join the Patreon again. Patreon.com slash Fantasy, Or you can join through BrotoFantasy.com. Also, if you, if you feel like putting some of your money where your mouth is in terms of fantasy, go sign up with the FFPC. You can sign up in an FFPC league through our website, brotofantasy.com. And with that, I bid you adieu. See ya. Later. Later.